inspire me to murder. <laughs> Hello, friends. Not it. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to another evening of D&D. We are not great RPG, and we are here for the city of Oshwamp once again. Uh, we're going to be using a different uh, music platform this evening, so excuse if the music is too quiet. Um, I'm going to check the VOD afterwards. If it's too loud, certainly let me know, but if it's too quiet, just bear with us, uh, and I will figure all of that stuff out after stream um but we're here again for another fun evening mm-hmm. uh we're going to be diving into some very exciting things tonight so real quick we're going to go around the table introduce ourselves and then we will have a brief recap and then pop into the fun uh always i'm don and in this one i play ether the grave domain cleric i'm not lawrence and i play alumlo i'm paul and i play felix I'm Glenn. I play the Wolf Man, formerly known as Borst. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like formal. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> formally. Formally. Yeah, I thought he said formerly. So no. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sarah, and I play Retora. <laughs> and I'm DJ. I play Nesgrim. Oh yeah, right. Sorry, I'm Nesgrim. I play DJ. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm John, and I'm the Dungeon Master for Oshwamp. Uh, last week, we had a wonderful experience at the Mouth of Madness, a.k.a. Retora, with her new, beautiful, wild-shaped shape <laughs> as a death dog with two heads and horrible shadow enveloping her and a very noxious breath weapon. That combat was a blast. Sarah DM'd it. Go check it out. Uh, we eventually were able to knock Sarah out, or Retora. I always do it. Well, specifically with you. Yeah. I feel like it's for some reason. I just see you. <laughs> <laughs> Inside of this death dog, everyone just sadly hitting you, and it's like, oh, I feel really bad for doing this to him, but it makes for a great story. Oh. Hit her again. It's, it's funny, because I'm like 100% on board the whole time. Right? Retora, no. Yeah. Sarah, Sarah yes. <laughs> Maybe that's why I don't feel bad when I mess up. It's fine. Uh, yeah, we eventually knock the shit out of Retora, and she concludes the wild shape because she is no longer possessed. She's unconscious. Uh, she sleeps for an hour. We drag her back. Ether finishes making his fish stew. Uh, Retora wakes up. She says she's sorry. She didn't mean to do that. It wasn't supposed to be this way. Weird how that continues to come up. Uh, she just wanted to cast detect magic to protect her friends, and it's almost like opening a ritual to my beautiful ally within her <laughs> is gonna result in a bad time sometimes uh yeah so we hung out we started to eat everybody relaxed everybody forgave and stood by Retora, understanding that it is not remotely actually her fault uh she is indeed possessed by a horrifying creature uh Melothel returned visibly fucked up he had a mouse on his shoulder definitely still his wife it's 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 genuinely his wife he doesn't realize that <laughs> he's fucked up uh yeah, he laughs. We offer him some of our stew. He throws the bones at the tent. I don't know why. He just does because he's a weird man. He's <laughs> off put by bones. Maybe he's seen some things. Uh, he packs his pipe. We start to fucking get railed with this dude. Uh, just having a good time with Melothel. He shows us his star form where he manifests a ethereal, almost incorporeal-like appearance with constellations, clouds, and a moon. <laughs> Wonderfully placed. <laughs> Uh-huh. Listen, you asked where it was. Somebody uh, I, asked. I didn't. Whoa. I forget who asked. Lawrence asked where the moon was, and we saw that moon. Uh, beautiful, shining, full moon. The front moon. Front moon. Oh. That's the old front moon. The old front moon. Uh, yeah, he showed his, his star map to Retora, which is 
a series of braille-like indentations and raised elevations in the tanned flesh of a snowy owlbear. Uh, she tried to read it, can't read it, because it's constellations. It's not like it's forming words. Uh, none of our people are associated really with astrological symbols. And yeah, he tells them some of the information about the herbs that he utilizes for the beautiful dreamlike visions that he and his wife have when they smoke from their pipes. Uh, everybody is surprisingly on board with getting totally fucked up with Melithel because he's just a fun man. He's he here is for a, a good fun time. Man. Uh, yeah, everybody takes some drags and <laughs> we start getting a little weird and <laughs> things continue to get weird. And then Melithel recognizes that something's fucking wrong with Ratora herself. Says that he can see some kind of devil or something in her and that it's probably not great. Uh, we talked about what it might be. He doesn't know what it actually is. He just says it's bad. Because that's how old stoner man is going to talk to you. That's <laughs> real bad, man. Yeah. Get that that's that shit's bad or something. I don't fucking know, man. You alright, fishy? Yeah, Sounds like uh, southern Tommy Chong. Yep, that's what I was going for, actually. Uh, yeah, Felix talks into his mind again, tries to stare him, because Felix is super <coughs> fucking out of it. Uh, says boo, Malithel's confused, and then he goes, why the fuck do you have some weird lady yelling at you in your mind? It's a great time. We're gonna, we're gonna pick up here with most of our people drifting off to beautiful slumber. Nesgrim fighting Wembley in his dreams. A giant fish fighting. spider. <laughs> Wembley. <laughs> with so many magical fingers and hands. Oh, Wembley. So, so disturbing. Um, oh, Wembley. Oh, fish Wembley. Uh. Fish Wembley. Uh, yeah, so I mean, Melithel looks at you and goes, Why you got a weird lady in your hand? Just kind of widen my eyes and stare at him. Sounds real mad. You do something bad? Uh-oh. <laughs> That's not good. Why'd you say Boo. Boo. To scare you. I'm real scared of you. <laughs> Not because of the boo. <laughs> a lady. I ain't heard a lady inside a man's head. That shit's weird. I'm gonna try to, like, bring. It's not gonna happen. I'm gonna attempt to focus. Uh huh. Uh-huh, yeah, no, not remotely. <laughs> it feels like your powers have suspiciously been drained from your body. Oh, no! Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, oh, you're saying I can't switch my focus? Uh-huh. Oh, that's bad. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, those herbs. Uh, well, I mean, I was going to try to focus on him, but sure, if I can't now. Uh-uh. <laughs> so I'll try to form the sentence. What'd she say? Stop it, Felix. Uh, uh I don't know, man. It's fucking weird. She's so mad. Just gotta kind of look at him worried. As worried as somebody that's big yeah. out of their mind can be. Uh, that's pretty worried. I guess, I guess this is gonna turn bad. So fucking <laughs> paranoid. Yeah, yeah, it's, now it's, 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 it's paranoid now. Uh, uh, you should probably just sleep it off or something. Go to bed. I'm gonna... Uh, it was adaptive body, so I could still sleep in it. So that's uh -huh. fine. I'm going to bed too. Oh, I'm real worried. Come here, fishy. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Never held a wet man at night. 
was gonna kind of like back away as far he as just, I can. He the just starts really awkwardly on all fours, just crawling towards you. Who's, ne- who's next to me? Who is she? Who's next to me? Uh, well, I mean, I think they fell asleep yeah, in the same. They're... Yeah, we're kind of set up like this, and I think he was It's in mostly the a circle, so I'd yeah. say probably Vorst and Ethier. Which Ethier's uh, fucking out I'm of gonna it. I'm going to kind of try to move Ethier in, in his path, just like slowly drive You can make a strength check with disadvantage. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man, help me. Diggle. Diggle. <laughs> Diggle. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's going to be uh, seven minus two. <laughs> I also have a seven minus two. <laughs> Weird. Do I just kind of move him in the way yeah. slowly? Like, you just see, like, Ether's body just, like, lightly topple and, like, his leg just flays out. And this dude just, like, feels the leg as he puts his hand out. Oh, shit, a leg! Oh. Bone man. Alright, that works. And he just, like, curls up and puts his head weirdly on your thigh right above your knee. That's nice! This bone man's warm. You just hear him begin to loudly start. Oh shit! Uh, bone Wembley. Uh. Oh, adult Bone Wembley. The <laughs> subconscious is speaking out. My hubris. I'm not gonna make the joke. Okay, so he's starting to go to sleep. Yeah, he's starting to go to sleep. You just see him like waving his arm. Huddle. Got a dream. Diggle. <laughs> I'm just gonna look over to Vorst. Mm-hmm. I was gonna. Yeah, just lean not back in your spot. Yep. Everybody else is asleep now. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna peek out the tent and see if his wife is still sitting out there. Yeah, you can see that there's just like a small mouse, like you over the tent and just like in the snow. Kind of like building a little mouse domain. It looks like she's building a small, instead of a sand castle, a little snow castle. <laughs> That's adorable. Right? Yeah, I'm going to take a deep breath of the cold air and then go back in and mm-hmm. I guess just kind of prop myself up to fall asleep on myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How big is this tent? Definitely not large enough for this, but it is right now. Because <laughs> everybody's We're in like a big old pile. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. There is like inches of space between you guys, if there's any space at all. That's why the dude's fucking sleeping on Ethier. He's just on his legs. This is so cute. Right? I love it. Just incredibly. It's great. <laughs> kind of wish that guy wasn't like Crazy. also in the pile, but you know. <laughs> it is what it is. He's the man for this job. Were you going to ask something, DJ? No. Oh, okay. Longer. Cool. Uh, yeah. So, let's crack in. Uh, everybody starts drifting off to, uh, sleepy, sleepy, sleepy town. And there is this weird sense of a calming sensation. So, I mean, I don't know how many of you have ever been, uh, anesthetized and awoken from it quite early and have that, like, almost pseudo-body paralysis, so sleep paralysis, you got that. (laughs) You have this strange sensation where it, like, it feels like your eyes are open and you're cognizant of your surroundings, but nothing in your body moves. Like, you, you think for a moment to try to move your hand, or maybe your foot, but you don't need to. Why would you move? Moving's overrated right now. You're just kind of in this blissful, peaceful state. 
very numb, numb to your world, numb to the feelings of your body. Kind of almost like everything washes away if you were floating at like the, the height of water. Kind of, again, like uh, if you were in a very heavy-induced salt bath. Just one of those sensory deprivation tanks. Just oh, they're so pleasant. No. Just relaxing. Just go on. Quiet. And then in the distance, for some reason, you hear this soft, all of you, chirping, like echoing, as though in a forest. You hear the rustling of leaves as wind sways through branches, that peaceful autumnal air, just kind of soft and serene. And you see, in the distance, as your vision comes kind of into focus, you see the heights of these beautiful tall green trees, oaks and maples, woods very similar to your home, Natora, very peaceful and comforting. You hear these birds chirp, you hear the similar sounds of woodland creatures as they hop through the brush, the rustling of those bushes, the ferns at the base of the tree trunks. You hear things step on branches and twigs begin to crack and break lightly. You hear the hooting of an owl in the distance. And you see this owl start to come into focus. This beautiful snowy white owl as it flutters gracefully down. Looks like it's twilight. Not very dark, but there's very little light that kind of peeks through these tree trunks through this canopy. And you see this owl descend down and a familiar man outstretch his hand. A tall elven man with beautiful blonde hair, yellowing, as he welcomes this owl and it lands gracefully in his palm. And he just looks at it, and you see him pull something from the side of his pocket, a small seed placed into his palm. And Juniper leans down and gracefully takes this seed and begins to chomp at it. You see it crack and break. You hear these noises. As Juniper continues to eat and crunch away at this small seed, you see Delowen's hand slide down to the side of her foot and pull a scroll attached right at her foot, undoing the small bit of twine, taking it. He props Juniper up to his shoulder, and you see that there is just a small, slightly larger than a post-it note size piece of scroll in his hands. And you see this man standing in these woods, lightly illuminated by the bits of light that do break through this canopy in twilight. And he reads, and he pauses for a moment. And he slowly furls the scroll back up and looks up at the line of the trees above him, kind of somberly. And he crumples the note in his hand and he places it into a sack on his pouch, or a pouch on his belt. You can see that he pauses for a moment, and you all hear the similar voice of Retora call out to him, Master Delawin! And you see this figure of Retora and her autumnal grace with flattering orange and red colors, highlights of yellow once more, come running through the trees, almost skipping gracefully, happily, towards this man. She pauses next to him, 
and he outstretches his hand and places it on her shoulder, not pulling her close, just resting it. You all see this young pair of elves stand here peacefully for a moment, and he just beckons out at the soil around. We've done it again. This place is safe now. We're doing well. Thank you for all of your help. I am so very proud of you. It has only been with your good graces and efforts that this miracle has occurred. And you see Ratora just kind of, not bashfully, but shyly, sheepishly look up at this man, this man who she so clearly admires. Tomorrow we will have uh, another attempt. There is another place nearby. I shall see you then. And suddenly this strange crackling, almost like the embers of smoke, kind of pop in front of your eyes. And you see these little bits of ashy flare, like when you ash a cigarette and you see those embers like paper, begin to burst through the center of your vision. And this disappears from your sight. And then you see Deloin standing in front of a small hut, a hut that looks quite like home, holding this crumpled paper in his hand. And he loudly taps on the front door of your childhood home. And you all see the door open and Dello and step inside, disappearing into the dark. Our vision stays here on the precipice of this hut, not within. You hear the raised voices of Deloin, the raised voice of Deloin. A bitterness that you're not familiar with to his tone this kind of frustration that despite all the years of your work with him, you have not heard from this peaceful, serene man. How could you let her go? And you see Delawin storm out of this hut, slamming the door behind him. And this Man pauses for a moment, looking down at the ground of his feet. Undeserving of such a wonderful child. I will not let... I will not let her go to waste. And you see Delawin swipe back at his cloak, pulling it back beside him and pulling it in front of him as he rushes out into the woods once more. Another pop of embers. And you see Ritora standing, watching these men arrive on horseback. And Deloin hands them a small vial. You see the cloth at his palm kind of resting, the vial sat 
on top. You watch as he furls the cloth around it and cinches a piece of leather and hands it to this man. You all hear as Delwyn looks up. Take it and deliver it. I promise that she will arrive safely. She must find Arthur naturally. Otherwise she will know. But she must believe right now that she must run. And you watch the man take this vial of plain-looking soil into his hand, pocket it, and scurry away. Three men on horseback suddenly disappear through the trunks of trees, and you see Ratora step out, a confused look on her face. You hear this strange, forlorn disappointment in Ratora's voice of, how could you do this? How could you do this? And you see Delowen still not having turned back to her, look up once more at the line of the trees, and the birds chirp, and the owl hoots, and you hear the twigs break at the feet of a rabbit nearby. How could I do any of this? And you watch as he turns, and his hand quickly strikes Rator in the cheek, and you watch as Rator falls to the ground, unconscious. He quickly kneels down next to her and places a hand on her shoulder. And he shakes slightly and swallows, almost gulping for breath. You will do what I could not what I was not strong enough to do. I am sorry, but thank you. You see these embers pop. You see this frail piece of paper almost obscuring your vision as these charred pieces of ash begin to fall and descend in front of you. And suddenly your image changes. Looking up at these tall, massive redwood trees. A beautiful forest, unlike one most of you have seen. And you see this small teenage girl, maybe only about 13 or 14 years old. Oh, would you like to describe your mother? I think. <clears throat> so she has a light complexion. Uh, her eye color is a deep green, and she has light brown hair, short. You see this girl standing in front of this forest, looking up at it, tearful, wrapped tightly in a large green cloak matching her eye color. 
kind of cinched around the neck. You can see that in her hands, as she looks up at the great redwoods, this small, empty book filled as she skims through it with a beautiful tan colored page page after page empty she kind of closes it slowly and rubs her hand along the front I will fill this with all that I learn all the things that this world will teach me I will fill this book and I will do what needs to be done for my people I will bring this book home and I will share our world with the world outside of it so that others may see how magical things still are here And you see these people standing in the distance, a large crowd blending together at this baseline of these tree trunks of these great redwoods. And she looks kind of longingly at many of these people and simply raises her hand. I am to be your voice and I will do you honor. Farewell. I love you all greatly. And you watch this young teenage girl kind of take a heavy breath and settle her shoulders to adventure them and kind of whisper to herself, almost an encouragement, and turn and begin to walk westward towards the setting sun. A pop of embers and a flash of light. And you see your mother, a few years older, standing in the great city of Ulm, looking up gleefully at the library. You see her approach and the great grand gates open for her. She smiles as she waves towards the guards who welcome her and bow, extending their hands inward. She pulls out her small journal, and you can see that she turns about ten pages in. As she flips through, you can see scrawlings of quick, hurried writing on the pages as she passes them by. She rushes inward, and a sudden pop and a flare, and you see your mother sitting before this great mahogany desk cluttered with books, inkwells, quills, multiple books open at one time, and you can see that she is picking up different quills at a time and writing in each book simultaneously. You hear this familiar voice of your father call out to her. Good morning again, Anna. I hope the library is treating you well this day. And you see your mother look up, and in the frame of the double-wide library doors where your mother's study occupies a small corner, you see the figure of your father, a young man, in his mid-twenties, 
staring at her with a small mug in his hand. I figured we could have some tea again, if you don't mind, Anna. I quite enjoy spending my mornings with you. And you see Anna just kind of look up briefly from her two journals and just smile at him and nod. You watch as your father begins to walk towards him gracefully and slowly. This happiness overwhelming him. Another crack in ember. And you you hear your mother's exasperated breaths as you see this stark pan room your mother on a bed sheets over her stomach and legs your father standing next to a cleric confusedly looking at this man asking why what has happened what is wrong why this way you hear Anna give out another exasperated breath and you hear this faint word awaken whisper out from her but not in her voice a different sweet dulcet female tone and you hear the cries of this small boy as he is born. And this cleric rises from the sheets, pulling this newborn Felix with slight, slightly different appearance <laughs> than a normal boy. Not the Felix we see now. A Felix with a little tenderness to his ears <laughs> in their shape and adornment. You see this man turn to Michael as he stands, his eyes still affixed at Anna. And this cleric taps your father on his shoulder as your father watches your mother breathe heavily, her breath slowing. The cleric places this newborn into Michael's arms, and he looks down at you for a moment. And that look of joy suddenly overwhelms him. And he hears Anna sigh. And he turns towards her. And she weakly outstretches a hand towards you. And Michael rushes over the step, placing Felix into Anna's arms. And she cradles him up against her neck, resting softly against the top of his forehead. I will always be with you. And you watch as Anna's arms begin to go limp and you slide down her chest. And Michael reaches forward, catching Felix as he slides down, Anna's arm going limp at her side. Another crack of embers. hear the sudden washing of waves 
the shorelines of Haltauna. The sands at the coastline. A small, wet log, maybe 20 feet off the sand, right at the line as it begins to ascend and meet grass once more. On this log sits a teenage Mr. Ethian. <laughs> blissfully looking out at the ocean waters. No bone trinkets, just a young elven man with a fishing rod in his hands. Sat next to him is this and elderly woman with long, straight white hair, conical tattoos of oceanic creatures and waves along her arms and shoulders as she has just this soft, clean, cottony-looking tank top on. You see the wrinkles in her skin, but the tattoos stay clean. She looks out at the ocean in front of you and just kind of gestures at the fishing pole in your hand. You watch as Ether just kind of looks at it, and then looks up at her. You hear a younger Ethier say, I'm not the best at learning new things. And she just looks over at him, and just kind of sighs and smiles out of the waves. You can see the sea foam kind of lapping up at the sands. I disagree, Ethier. I think few men possess the heart that you do possess the willingness to look and she just kind of pats you on the back and sometimes it won't always be a fishing line you cast out but I'm sure you'll bring things back and you watch as Ether just kind of stands up this kind of strange reassurance he steps out and you see this small bed of rocks like a landing stretching out from the coastline maybe about 15 feet up the coast from where this lady is sat and you watch Ethier slowly walk over reach the edge of this landing of rocks and cast out his line the sun hitting the beautiful bait and tackle as it plunges down into the water and suddenly the waters change growing dark and this strange sense of rapidness takes out you hear this crackle of thunder this horrific roar and we look up and we see this horrific overcast storm washing over Helltowno, the rapid height of the waves suddenly increasing. You see flashes of lightning and a small sailing skiff illuminated out on the horizon of the water for you. You watch as Ether takes a step into these waters and suddenly this old hand grip at his shoulder. You cannot, Ether. Not all storms can be weathered. 
And I am sorry for that lesson. You watch as Aether just falls on his knees to the ground, his hands resting right at the edge of the water as the waves lap over his fingers, sea foam staining the back of his hands. You watch as he grips at the small pieces of seashell that are here, right under the lines. And he looks up and out again, and the sailing skiff is gone. Another flash of embers. And you see this woman standing here alone, on this landing of rocks, looking out over the sea. She looks older. Only a few years. But she stands vigilant, waiting, looking out at that same spot where that skiff wrecked, torn asunder by such a devastating storm. And you watch as she slowly leans down, sitting, her legs entering the sea. And you watch as she places her hands on the rocks here at the edge, looking out. I will find him for you. And you watch as she pushes herself into the water. You see her deftly slide gracefully in at a declination and surface a moment later, her head barely rising out. And you watch as she begins to swim slowly and methodically out, calling out, Veril, I will bring you home for him. She takes a few graceful movements in the water and stops, and we don't hear a storm, but we hear the sudden washing of spinning water. That sudden, swift movement of a whirlpool in the distance. And this woman pauses, her head bobbing in the waves, as she looks out. And she sees that additional horizon that you should not see in the water, knowing the declination that dips down to the depths below. And she pauses and gasps. And this strange pale coloration overtakes her face. And she holds out her hand and points at this looming sail that looks as though the tips and height of it rise out from this whirlpool. And a flash of embers. And we turn to horrifying screams. The sounds of people yelling for help. The madness of heavy footsteps in a clutter as armor and blade meet. The sounds of war. The sounds of a slaughter. And we see Vorst sitting in the dirt, his back against a tree, clutching his shield in front of him, 
his long sword in his hand, kind of looking down at his own hands, at the hilt and pommel of his blade, and the interior of the strapping of his shield. He looks almost catatonic in a daze, shaking ever so slightly as screams continue to echo in the woods around him. And you hear Voris mutter to himself, Get up and help, get up and help, get up and help, get up and help. He does not move. Screams get louder, more and more, and you see Voris shake. And then this hand glides towards his neck, but takes him by the chin and turns him upwards. And you see, come into full view, the familiar face of your good friend Rirda, looking down at you. Of course, we have to get out of here right now. There's nothing left. There's nothing. And you feel this hand slide off of your chin and grab you by the collar and lift. And you feel the strength of your friend as he drags you up to your feet, keeping his face in front of you. Don't look, Force. Don't look. We have to go. We have to. You see this? dazed look still on Vor's face as this man takes him by the shoulders and turns him and begins to push Vorst and your vision widens and you see this horrifying monstrous creature maybe 25 feet behind him a 9 foot tall grayish red, orc-like creature, with protruding tusks from the bottom jaw, spikes crowning along the width of the skull, and a protruding curved black pair of horns, holding a man in its claw in front of it, up at the height of its jaw. You see these barbed spikes protruding from this creature's forearms. You see this strange, long, curled, reddish-gray tail with a brown spoke at the end of it like an arrowhead. And she watches this creature just stares into this man's eyes, limp in this monster's clutch. And this creature just smiles and tilts its head back and forth like a dog confused. And then it opens its mouth and you watch the saliva break from height of fang to bottom of fang. (laughs) And pull this man's face into its mouth. And you watch as these tusks curl around up to the ear back 
and turn and twist and pull. And all you see is the height of this neck remaining as it turns its palm and drops this body limp to the ground. You watch as Rirda grabs Forced by the arm and begins to run, pulling him. 20 feet, 30 feet, 40 feet. With no idea of how fast you're running, you just know you're moving. Moving. Why am I moving? Where am I going? This strange, still catatonic look over Horst's face, this blankness, this despondent terror, the absence of any hope. But you feel your legs move. Even in your dream, you feel your legs move. You can't move your legs, but you feel them. Rushing. The chill of the night air as it starts to set in. Reared is still pulling you by the hand. And suddenly, in front of you, you watch the edge of your hand suddenly fall as Reared is gone. This strange sensation of movement horizontally in front of you as something collides with him. And he falls to the ground next to you. And our vision turns and looks over. And you see your friend on his back. With a strange dark green orc over him. With reddish hue along the back line of his neck. Stretching up into the hairline. As this thing just grips this cracked and splintered axe of poorly crafted iron and swings down towards your friend. But then his arm stops moving and suddenly twists and turns and falls to the side. And you see your blade rise up above your own head, blood splaying out with no recognition of what you just did. The orc reels back in pain and then suddenly screams, howling this strange twisted sensation in your arm as you look down and realize your shaking arm is outstretched, your sword plunged through the back of this creature. As Virda beneath it looks up at the blade as it pokes through, blood trickling down from the marks of this orc's chest as it stains your friend. You watch as Rirda reaches up and swipes this orc to the side, your sword clattering down as you let loose, and your shield falls to the side at your feet. And Rirda looks up at you. I, I'm sorry, friend, we must hurry. We must hurry. And this strange sensation of I've only ever hunted. First kill. In a moment like this, already so overwhelming, why now? Why like this? You watch as Reardor reaches out and drags your sword through the dirt and holds it up to you. 
Your shaking hand reaches out once more, grabbing the long sword, dirt staining your hands as you move it through. And you see Rirda begin to turn. And 15 feet away are seven more. Just like that one. And Rirda stops and holds his hand back out towards you, placing it shakingly against your chest. Run, Forrest. Run. And he pushes you southward. And you watch as Rirda begins to hurry north, the orcs splitting and dividing as you begin catatonically unaware of what you're doing running heavy feet south as fast as you can you hear them give chase your sword shakes in your hand and you realize it clamors and the noise for some reason is upsetting and you sheathe it shakingly and you hear their footsteps gaining closer and this animalistic urge drives through you. Just run faster. Run faster. You can run faster. And you watch as force begins to shift and drop to all fours and begin to bound forward through the woods faster than before. A crack of ember. And you see the vast openness of the Vorout, the snowy plains in front of you, the full moon high in the sky, a soft breeze, the tree line right behind you only a few feet. Silence for the first time in so long. Silence. And you pull your sword and you look at it. This black in the night stained blood still clinging to the blade chilled and sealed to it by the cold and you look down and you see the furs and the leather armor that you wear also stained in these strange ink-like splotch patterns with this black blood a stark contrast to the snow at your feet and for a moment you look at that sword and that sword feels like home. And it feels too much like home. You sheathe it quietly and look up at that full moon in this silent image. And you let out this exasperated emotional howl of relief, of fear, and of agony. And a flash of embers. And we see a great redwood tree, larger than the others we've seen before. A trunk wider than any tree 
any of you have ever seen. Spindly roots at the edge, wiring down into this beautiful, light, lime green like grass and soft patches on this strangely shaped island, surrounded by a silver blue lake. Peaceful, quiet, calm. The moment pauses, lingering, just on this sweet, empty, serene spot. Wind once more picks up and lightly rustles through branches and leaves, and out flutters from the height of this tree, hundreds of feet up into the air, this beautiful black raven that swoops downwards, gliding, not in a predatory way, and lands right into a patch of this grass and looks around up at the trees. It begins to chirp quietly, softly, looks down at the grounds around it, taps its feet, almost methodically, takes a few steps towards the surface of this lake, right at the edge of this island, this silvery, clear blue water. It steps and looks down, twists its head, almost as though it's appreciating its own reflection. But there is no reflection in this water. Just a raven, staring at it, tilting its head innocently back and forth. The waters begin to... Hmm. The sensation of when you ignite a flammable substance like gasoline and you see that rippling effect. You see that shimmering ripple kind of waft out from the area in which the raven's image should be. Parting drifting away, and this raven looks down, twisting and turning slowly, and suddenly it darts its beak into the water, dipping its head in, immersing itself up to about the chest, and you watch as this raven just suddenly flush, crest through the surface, water splashing up from it, and in its beak is this long, coiled, wiggling, silver thread. Still dripping down into the waters below, as though not all of the thread has crested the surface. The raven looks at the thread quite happily, gives a little dance, <laughs> and it begins to turn and pull this thread. But as the thread moves and wiggles, you can see it suddenly grow taut, and the innocent raven, not knowing, pulls, and the thread severs at the surface of the water, a small piece of it descending down into the depths below, disappearing from this raven's sight, and you watch as this raven squawks very lightly, 
chirping happily, as though it has done its duty. It flaps its wings once, twice, and begins to rise, swiftly ascending, with a silver thread trailing behind it as it begins to float. A flash of embers. And you see this small, peaceful forest village. Small huts, simple constructions. Some even etched into the sides of the trees themselves here in these great redwoods. And you see this woman holding this small boy in her hands as this raven flutters over, pauses in front, and lands on the hand on the back of this elderly looking woman. She looks human. Long, flowing, graceful white hair, her beautiful white gown, and this raven lands on the back of her hand, and unspeakingly she elevates and stretches her hand out over this newborn in this woman's arms, and places her hand on the belly of this babe, the raven overlooking down at the face of this little boy, and you watch as it opens its mouth and this silver thread falls right onto the tip of this boy's nose, resting softly against his lips. The baby doesn't cry, he simply gasps at this strange new sensation at the tip of his nose, this chill, this coldness, but it is for some reason warm and welcoming. And you see this baby open his mouth to gasp, and the silver thread sucks inside. And you watch this little baby give no sensation of discomfort. He smiles and begins to giggle quite happily. The woman with the raven begins to pull her hand back and softly wafts her hand and the raven flutters up, releasing, <coughs> looking at the raven. And she just curiously holds the raven's gaze, divided, and the raven just squawks nods its head, and the woman smiles at the raven as it begins to flap its wings and ascend up over her head, and she looks into the eyes of the woman holding this babe. Yalum Lo, then, to be its name, and a flash of embers. And you hear the cacophony of footsteps of a marching band, a brigade of people. The soft, harmonious noise of metals 
unifying as they clash and clutter together with so many thousands here. And you see standing at the edge of this tree line is a young Eldrin man and woman looking out curiously. Thousands of them. A sight I've never seen before in my life. All different people. How strange to find them here. This isn't their home. This is no one's home. Nothing belongs here. The woman looks at the young man. They cannot stay. We must tell them away. And he turns and looks at her. Darling, if they choose to stay, it is not our right to intervene. We must remain. Watchers. Vigilant. Not involved. And you see these two young Eligeran just lean on each other, their heads meeting. And you see this marching army in the distance as it approaches this state of rubble, massive, wide. Heights of pillars and what look like fractured rooftops, angled, stretching out towards the sky. Broken smoke elevating from fires and ash and ember. That terrible smoky smell. They watch as this group stops amidst this rubble, amidst this ruin. And a young man steps forth. With messy, slightly long, shaggy, dark brown hair, clad in chain with a small hammer in his hand. It looks dirty and old, cracked and splintered. His shield, a small wooden buckler with no artisanal construction to it, as though simply hewn together in haste and desperation. You see this young man step forward. Handsome. Charming. Into the rubble. Pausing. In front of these two great pillars that rise out, constructed of simple granite stone with a wide base. And he looks up at the height of these pillars. Confusedly. And you see as he turns towards this beautiful, muscular, tanned woman with violet eyes and long red hair. I don't understand. Already sacked. 
and abandoned. It makes no sense. And you see these Eldrins still here at the edge of the woods, looking out over. We must tell them away, darling. You watch as her hand just kind of grips at his shoulder, tensing slightly. My love, it is not our duty. It is no one's duty to rule. There can be no one. And you hear her voice just kind of grow with this strange, lingering sense of despair and disappointment. Not in him. At the presence of these strange intruders. People who don't belong up here. This part of the world is not meant for anyone else but us. And they turn together in unison, their hands fall to their sides, and they clutch, intertwining their fingers, and begin to step back into the distance of the tree trunks, disappearing from sight. And suddenly they halt, and this incredible roar echoes out from the distance. And you hear the cracking of stone and the descending rocks and rubble as though you hear a building break and you know that stone has fallen and fallen and fallen endlessly. Silent. And I don't know why. A flash of embers. And suddenly you all find yourself sleeping quite peacefully. And you may conclude your long rest. Find out what's there. Wait, what's, what's, what's where? Uh, well, where? Which, which, which place? Yeah, you guys all begin to stare awake. Uh-huh. Rachel wakes up with just tears mm-hmm. in her eyes. I'm gonna wake up violently after <laughs> fighting Wembley. <laughs> all night, just... <laughs> Mm-hmm. You're punching, but your punches don't do anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like slow. Yeah. <laughs> it's like punching underwater. 
Oh, uh, uh, I'm gonna shake Melithil awake since he's on my thighs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <sighs> hmm. Is he dead? No. Okay. <laughs> Roll for me. Like, oh God! No, forgive me. No, to, yeah, that's okay. No, I still have to do Nesgrims. I had to scroll down on the page because there's so many pages. <laughs> I thought this was just Wembley. No. <laughs> it's not over. I thought we were going to flash to Wembley. Man. <laughs> For a uh, second I did feel a little bit left out. I was like, there's probably a reason. I'm no, not going to worry about it's it. It's just it's on the next page. <laughs> so tired. Drink your coffee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do we want to take an intermission for a second? just to? No. All right. We gotta do it. All right. <laughs> uh, traumatized after. DJ. Yeah, probably after. after. I will absolutely want to go <laughs> cough outside for like ten minutes. It'll be great. Yeah. Cough cool. So after the horrifying noise that I'm not gonna repeat. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Flash of embers, and the strange sensation once more pulls you to for everyone else outside of good old Mr. Nesgrim. A very unfamiliar set of uh, chapel doors. The opening, as you know, to the cloister of the Monastery of Acceptance. You see the three sisters, Anna, Tabitha, and Willow, standing at the door. They open it and begin once more, hurrying through the long halls. And our vision follows them. As they wind through the halls, reaching the staircase, ascending hurriedly, whispering with strange, hushed sense of paranoia and fear, you can hear it in their voices, concerned, as though nothing is working, nothing is changing, nothing is helping. What could be wrong? Why isn't he getting better? No other healer will come out this far. No other healer will traverse these woods. Nothing has worked. They ascend the stairs and they find themselves at this rosewood door. Beautiful and decorated at the end of this long hall. Anna reaches out and twists the handle and opens the door and inside you hear this soft Quiet groaning. And inside you see the infirmary bed with your father laying inside. Sheets pulled up to his neck, his arms outstretched at his sides. You can see the definition beneath the sheet where he lays. You watch as the three sisters cautiously, slowly approach, pausing at his side. You see the gaunt, pale face of Nesgrim's father, these deep, great, blackish circles beneath his eyes that stretch out into the height of his eyelid, as though his eyes are sinking into his skull, his lips pale and pallid and dry. The definition in his face, withered and gaunt, kind of filtering away, emaciated. 
You watch as Anna goes out to instinctively reach a hand with a cold, wet cloth towards your father's head. And Willow reaches out and stops her hand just before she makes contact. Don't touch him, child. You know. You know you can't. It's not alright. You don't know what he has. We don't know if the boy has it either. And Anna just kind of looks back over. Stop calling him a boy. He's not a boy anymore. Fine. Fine. Nesgrim. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> it doesn't matter. No one here can help. No one around can help. We have to find someone who can. There is only one place left to reach. We must send letter to Oshwal. To the cathedral. Only there Only there is there hope for this man. A strange flash and crackling of embers and a soft pop. And your vision, our vision, concentrates on this small bit of parchment in the old withered hands of Sister Willow as she holds it Loosely in her fingers. Reading aloud. Leovold requests his blood to be sent ceremonial. Only then can they detect what's inside this man. Only then can we cleanse him. Cleanse his blood. She watches Sister Anna steps forward with a small like letter opener style dagger. Sorry, Adamus. I'm sorry. And she pulls the sheet down slightly, and you see this withered flesh adorning his shoulders at his collarbone. You can see these veins below the skin illuminated, not with brightness, but by color, as they are this dark black against the stark contrast of his pale skin, almost like the vein of a shrimp, illuminating, obviously visible. You watch as she drags the line of this blade over his shoulder, and your father pays no mind, his catatonic open eyes staring up at the ceiling above him. And you watch as she drags sideways and holds his arm out over the edge of the bed and holds a small 
circular-based vial beneath, and you watch as this black stained blood from your father, with little remaining hints of red, drip into this potion bottle. She pulls the scarf from her side and wipes away at the blood, and it stains your father's skin, smearing it. She looks almost hopeless and tired, as she does. She drops the blood-stained scarf to the ground and corks the bottle and turns, stepping to the doorway and reaching out, handing the bottle. She pulls her hand back and her blood-stained hand reaches up to her brow as she rubs her forehead. Ornesgrim. Already alone. Already seen as a monster. For no fault of his own. And you watch as her hand just kind of falls down the side of her face to her side, and you see this black blood trail down the side of her cheek, just kind of catch the end of her jawline. And this black drop drips down to the floor and splashes into the stone framework. And we look up, and you see Willow once more standing at a door frame, looking at a, a young man holding out a scroll, a twined up piece of parchment towards her, and Willow snatches it, gestures it and shakes it at him, and bows her head lightly, turns and unfurls this scroll and pulls it aside. Well, They can't take him now. It is almost winter, and no one would make it through in time. At least not the people who could do the ceremony for Adamus. They said if he dies, to entomb him not to bury him. Well, we shall see. Hopefully in spring, Adamus, they will arrive and care for you in the way we have been unable. We will do our best to keep you she closes the parchment. Here with us. She reties the twine and just kind of pulls it back and then pulls her belt aside and places the parchment in between her hip and her belt. And you watch as this woman steps aside, Sister Willow, into the hallway, disappearing. Anna and Tabitha left here alone with Adamus. 
sighing softly. Slow, labored breaths. And you hear the voice of Nesgrim in the hallway. I want to see my father. And you just hear the soft echo of Sister Willow's voice once more. Nesgrim, he's as good as dead. I'm sorry. Seeing him would only cause you more pain, and pain for you is the last thing any of us want here. You know that. Don't cry, Nesgrim. You'll be welcomed home. A flash of embers. And you see this dark, poorly lit hallway. It feels discreetly in a cold, this strange chill, poor ambient light adorning the archways above you, stone ceilings. Underground? Cold. Footsteps echo more distantly in such a vacant space. Narrow halls, maybe only 15 feet wide, stone archways creeping in every 10 or so feet. You see Anna and Tabitha in their nightgowns. A small candle in Anna's hand, placed on top of a silver plate, <laughs> and the two quietly tiptoe through these halls. Their footsteps gently against the stone surface of the floor. Fifteen, twenty feet pass and you begin to see these almost relief-like tombs carved into the walls, two by two, one on top of the other, amidst these 15-foot-high ceilings, these walls. You see carved into the stone reliefs are these decorative visages of the individuals inside. They pass by series after series, descending further into this until they reach a singular area comprised of a small square space. The tunnel, a hallway, funnels inwards, concluding a 10 by 10 square room. And at the back end of it is a small elevated platform, maybe five feet up into the air stone constructed a dark gray granite long maybe 10 feet and on top of it a stone coffin on the platform 
a small plaque engraved with the name Adamus Christoch. And as Anna and Tabitha take another step closer, the faint light of their candle flickles at, flickers out, and Anna holds it aloft towards the tomb and sees that the lid is cracked open. And a crack of embers. And that is where you all wake up. Mm-hmm. That changes the That's lot. much worse. Uh-huh. That's, uh... However, the way I wake is still the same. Wimbley! <laughs> Wimbley! <laughs> what the fuck, dude? I don't know about you guys. I would love an intermission. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Everyone can just stew on that for a little bit. Yeah, we'll just let that marinate. Stew. See you in a few, friends. <sighs> Welcome back, friends. Hello. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're picking back up. Yep. Yeah. You guys uh, conclude your long rest, and you all slowly begin to return back to coherence and wakefulness. But you are all here. Sleeping Melithil still kind of... <laughs> oh, shit. That was weird. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't trip with friends in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Asleep really on Ethier's legs. <laughs> Just yeah. drool all over your knees. <laughs> Am I able to, like, pull my legs... No. Out. Like, crunch up in a ball and yeah, try I mean, to... It, you know it, when you wake up and the cat's asleep on you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It takes you a minute, but you, like, very slowly, gracefully start to slide your leg out. Melville just, like, rests his head instead on the ground here of the tent. Ooh, chilly. <laughs> <laughs> How is everyone? Um, Just tears. <laughs> Shaken. No. Uh, what did you all experience last night? I had quite an adventure into some memories from all of your pasts. I think it's safe to assume we've all seen the same thing. Yes. I'm just gonna look at Yalumla with tears in my eyes, mm-hmm. and then pull my hood, mm-hmm. tie my face, and I'll just look down. Mm-hmm. That was um quite heavy. Yeah. Um, Scratching at my mind. (laughs) The most concerning was the final part of the dream. Though yours was fairly terrifying as well. I only wish it was a dream. I'm sorry. We have all been through some level of Horror and loss in our past. Indeed. Uh, 
I'm gonna pull out my longsword, my old longsword, mm-hmm. my new shiny one, mm-hmm. and I want to hold it up to my face and like inspect the handle and everything. Mm-hmm. Do I find anything caked into the metal? Definitely find some dirt and a little bit of blood. So is it safe to assume then that that was not so much a vision as it was a um, memory of things that actually happened? Mine, at least. I saw things that I was not present for. But what I was, I was accurate, was true. Same for me. Okay. The coffin at the end of yours? Of your father? That is quite concerning. Um, Also the blood? Yes, her touching herself with his blood (laughs) was worrying. Um, Is... I... Would that spread whatever he had to her? If she couldn't touch just his skin, I'm sure the blood itself was contaminated, tainted. How long after that did you leave? A matter of months. Right, it was months. After your father died? Yeah, because I just had years. Yeah, it was only a couple weeks. Yeah, it it was not long. A couple weeks. Um, my concern is, uh, the dead do not rise for no reason. Generally, yes. What purpose... (laughs) What purpose is he meant to fulfill? Why would he rise from the dead? To seek out your mother's body perhaps uh she was burnt she died years before my father and i burnt her you didn't get to see him on his final days um you were told he was dead yeah no uh they would not allow me to see him uh perhaps he wants to see you he might be coming nazgrim to find you that seems unlikely only in that he wouldn't know where I am they spoke of Oshwamp they did in front of him (laughs) the letter from Oshwamp requested he specifically be entombed Mm -hmm. not buried correct yeah perhaps they came for him perhaps he was the city you mean Perhaps. I. It seems that they knew something. At least. Do you think he was taken to Oshwamp? No way to know. Perhaps if we found ourselves at the cathedral, but. I do not imagine that they would be forthright with that information. If it were such? No, I'm sure they wouldn't. 
while we're sitting here talking, mm-hmm. I'm just gonna shuffle over to Felix and just lean my head on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. I'm very sorry for your loss, Felix. I'm just kind of like put my head down, keep nodding. Mm-hmm. Millifil had mentioned that he heard a woman. Oh, odd. So did she stay with you? I'll shrug. From his Melif- Melifil, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call him, mm-hmm. from his uh, dream, mm-hmm. was that Camilla? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. In if Felix's dream, we did hear, uh, like, the cry of a baby only after she, the voice said the words, correct? Or did we not hear a cry at all? You would have heard the cry. Okay. You would have heard the cry of the baby as it was born. You would have heard the, like, soft, you know, whimpers and things like that as the baby was placed into Michael's arms. Okay. And then from Michael's arms into Anna's arms. And then she said... And then she said, it. I will always be with you. Got it, okay. If that was who we suspect uh, in Elithil's vision, uh, would that make the man with her Ostador? That would be my guess. Probably. And they were approaching Did he ruins. look like the, the statue at all? He looked like the statue that you've seen in the West District with the <laughs> shield and the weapon. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um... The ruins he was approaching, he said it had already been. It seems that it was as we've been told. That would be the city of Oshwamp. I would imagine so. I was under the impression that Oshwamp was taken, not risen. But it seems it had already fallen by the time they got there. Yes. Stay. The question then is, why, why that city? Why? There's other rubble around, I'm sure. Other forgotten. Places, why choose Oshwamp? Perhaps something to do with that terrifying roar? Perhaps. Something in the rubble, perhaps? Beneath? Were they resurrecting it? Or summoning it? Or calling to it? Whatever was there, it was entombed. Does not seem that it has influenced any of the 
stories that we have heard. No, you don't often hear of the roar at the end. I'm curious as to what the raven and the thread was dragging from the waters in your Sialumho. The snapping of the thread. I'd imagine it is Kubalo. Fracture decorum. Perhaps dragging a soul from that lake to put in you. There was no reflection in those waters. I've not seen the process, but that would make sense. Ethier, is it possible that Raven and your Raven are the same? It is possible. Clearly, Malo is not an ordinary raven. And Adrian did speak of the Raven's Harbor. Unless all ravens have the same purpose or same... Maybe not all ravens, but perhaps some ravens that serve some higher purpose. Something greater than normal ravens that are just birds. When did you find Malo again? A year ago. On the first of Elseth. And what does Elseth mean? Uh, we've been told that I you know that Elsith is chosen. Okay. She is nicknamed yep. the Chosen. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> uh, chosen. Mm -hmm. You could say Malo chose Yalumlo. Did it look like the same Raven? Looked very similar. I, I, enough to distinguish. Enough to distinguish. Yeah. Okay. Malo. I don't. I don't know. If... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Brother. <laughs> My brain is huge. What? Um, <laughs> I heard. Bam! I got two right. My brain is huge. Bird. He what said raven, and then he said raven again. <laughs> Maybe it's the same. Yeah, throw enough raven. shit at the wall. Eventually it'll start <laughs> yeah. to stick. I, how many times have I said that? Um, so I keep throwing. That's right. I, I don't know what... To do with that information. <laughs> <laughs> Worked real hard to get it. But... However, thanks, buddy. The... My, brain is, my is brain is huge, but I don't know what it means. Is anyone able to speak with animals? Probably the one that can become animals. No. Oh, right. That is mm -hmm. uh, Luna. Luna can do that. I can befriend them. Have. <laughs> We asked Luna if she's spoken to Malo. Nope. We're a little far from the tavern <laughs> right now in Esgrim. Well, uh, yes, of course. It'd be quite hard to speak with her now, but when we get back, uh, perhaps it's best to have Luna translate for us? I've... Assuming Malo, Malo chooses to reappear. She's not under my control. 
She yes. comes and goes as she pleases. Okay. But yes, she could also speak to the owl further. Yes, uh, that's... Was that your owl? That was Juniper. That was Delawin. And he spoke to my parents quite loudly about something. It, it seemed to be about letting you leave. I've never seen him angry before. It did seem he wanted you to seek out Arthur. Our Arthur has been very helpful to us. He... Arthur did say that he had her sent. Correct. This seems to confirm as much. It's still hard to believe. And, um... I know Delawin may have done some not so great things, but Arthur has been very helpful. Uh, he did say that he wanted to give the impression that you needed to run. Perhaps Delawin's more of an ally than an enemy? Delawin has been an ally to me much longer than he's been an enemy to me. Perhaps he was never an enemy to you. That's what it seems. He wanted to appear as if he was to get you to run here. I just don't understand why he didn't just tell me. Perhaps you had to choose. You would not have left. Perhaps you needed to not know the reason. Your home was too important to you. You would not have left it. Arthur called for you because of... the poem. Things that were... happening. Things that were to come. I suppose... a month ago, the call of a poem would have seemed... silly compared to the work I was doing. Perhaps. Why, why would I leave my home that I was working so hard to protect for some words of a prophet? Perhaps you were in training. Delawin was your teacher. Perhaps he was teaching you what you needed to know before you came to Oshwamp. we've finished cleansing that from you perhaps you'll be able to ask him yourself someday I hope so I feel It doesn't feel right how I left now. I know it was his design, but... I get the feeling it may have been Arthur's. He 
He must have gotten the name The Architect from somewhere. Arthur wouldn't know how to convince me I'd been betrayed. I wouldn't be so sure. Um, I don't believe you would get to his position in Oshwamp without some amount of um, intellect. But he would likely not have known the relationship between the two of them in order to manipulate her to come here. I believe that was Delawin's doing. Well, we he do. knew he had to hurt me. We do know that Arthur and Delawin have been quite close. Perhaps they were more than just friends, but co-workers in a way. We've learned that Delawin worked, taught in the Inner Sanctum. We also know that Iris left the Inner Sanctum because she did not agree with their direction. We do know that, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Iris left the Inner Sanctum. Did, was Grace in the Inner Sanctum? Don't we, don't, we don't know. You know very little of Grace. Mm -hmm. We know uh, Faye also left the Inner Sanctum for similar reasons. We know Adrian left the Inner Sanctum for... His own reasons? His own reasons. Well, perhaps Delawin left the Inner Sanctum for the same reason as Iris? I would very much like to speak with him again. Well, I don't intend to miss my opportunity to do that. It still stands out to me that even the very mention of his name of only a few days ago was enough to cause you to have a fit. I was wondering that as well. Doesn't seem like somebody who helps you. Someone with the intimate knowledge to turn someone that close to them against them would give that type of reaction he I knew had... what he needed to do to get her to go and perhaps whatever was within you the past few days was more trying to repel you away from Delwyn and the, perhaps it was reacting violently to his name as it maybe felt threatened by him? It has... I mean, he has been actively fighting against this entity. I... That's what I, I've known for decades, and in a week, through that knowledge, to the wayside. I hope I haven't made a mistake. Perhaps you needed to be here to continue the fight? This fight? 
whatever this is, has roots not just in Oshwam and its surrounding area. Perhaps if I can find answers here, I can take them home and help the Aveth Woods as well. Perhaps you just needed to follow the roots mm. to their source. Instead of trimming the ends. Might be the only way. 20 years of hard work. Only trimming them. Snap, snap. Um... <clears throat> The vision we had mm -hmm. of the thing flaying flesh, did we all see that or was that one person? I can't remember. Of uh, the amalgamation flaying the flesh? Yeah. I believe that that was given as a description by. Yeah, it was Madeline, in. Correct? It was in. Um, was it in Corrin's notes? Corin talked about it, but I believe that you were described it specifically by. And Arthur also oh, yeah, talked about it right. just recently mm -hmm. because he was present for it. Yep. So I mean, right. you guys didn't see it mm -hmm. occur. It has been detailed mm -hmm. to you. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Um. Perhaps the roots all trace back to uh, the roots within the mines. Probably. And perhaps it's calling people to it in an effort to do what it did to the dwarves. Which way are the mines? From where you are currently in the Philwood? Primarily north, slightly east. So we've been moving a little, not really away from them. Just kind of You've like been that. moving slightly towards them because towards if Oshwamp is here and the mines are up here, you guys have gone here. Mm -hmm. So I mean, you're still yeah. going more northward, but the rest of your travel travel is going to take mm -hmm. you in this area and then primarily east. So after this expedition, you will not be really traversing far north, and it is very, very far, far north, yeah. like 150 plus miles north. Would I be able to tell where the, like, where this entity that has its hold on me has been calling me towards? Would I? Uh, no, I will tell you that it has been indicated to you its location being northwest of the woods of Nerenter. Right. At the, based on the old map from Iris, mm -hmm. uh, the area uh, known as Sabrak, meaning empty. Mm -hmm. And Camilla gave me some of that. Some of that information Correct. as well, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So I, I would definitively know at this point that I'm moving away from... Mm -hmm. Up here? You're going that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We will likely have to go there to the mines after we cleanse you of this. Well, the, the mines are cut off until springtime, are they not? Mm-hmm. We have time. One thing at a time, I think. Mm -hmm. Yes. There's much to accomplish. Yeah, a rather large task. And as for the mines, 
it's not so much that they've been dictated as cut off. It's just that uh, you don't want to make that journey in this weather. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why people go at the onset of spring. I mean, similar to how we wouldn't want to make the journey outside of Correct. the... Not that you won't survive it, but the chances aren't great. Correct. Um, Matura, is that Mark still present? Hmm? Looks the same. Mm-hmm. Does not look any different to you. Then what was it we cleansed from you yesterday? I think that... Depressed, perhaps. Surpri- I th- I not think cleansed. That... We drove it back. We've been moving away from it. Okay. From its. At least where Camilla has told me it resides. And as we've gotten farther from it, I have felt a bit more at ease. Using my skills, I have to believe that it was not fond of that notion. And attempted to take hold of you Mm -hmm. by force? Do you feel it getting weaker as you get further away? Can I make any distinction in that regard? I mean, I would say that in the times that you've passed uh, inside of the Fellwood, day by day, it's felt a little bit more distant, as though you have not felt that same continuous psychological pull at your mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's been still still present, but less so. A bit less of a drag on my on my mind. That is a bit worrying. Um, as we approach back to the city, it may once again take hold. Right. May not only take hold, but perhaps gotten stronger. Not more desperate. Right. Well, we have that potion. What does that potion do? It's a drought of sleeping. Okay. Um, probably should have been used last night, but there was some conflicting signals being given. Yeah. Uh, I asked Arthur for it for moments like that. How much of that would you require for it to... Would it take the whole bottle? Yeah. Yeah. You were told one dose. Mm-hmm. It's a one-time use. And I imagine we'll be glad to have it then? Mm-hmm. An option? If possible, I think we should maybe save that for our journey back. I don't think we get to choose when we use it. If we keep moving away from the source... Perhaps if it comes again, it will be weaker. We'll be able to drive it back easier this time, be more prepared now that we know what to expect, more or less. We survived the last. I'm sure we'll survive the next. Well, I'm 
sure you all will survive the next. It's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> she would not forgive us if we let you die? I wouldn't not let him die, but... Send knock, him on. Knocked down, maybe. <laughs> that you don't be. have to outrun the owlbear. You just have to outrun Nesgrim. Correct. You are very heavy carrying many of my things. Thank you. Here's <laughs> 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 like, I don't want to lose my pack mule. <laughs> Vorst is carrying the rest, and Vorst is much faster than you, as we saw. Ethier. Yes. The woman that we saw. In your vision. Who was she? A shaman from my village. The one who taught me what I know. About speaking to those who have passed on. One who taught me to grieve appropriately and to help those who cannot help themselves. What happened to her? It appears she swam out into the ocean and perhaps raised my uncle's ship from the depths through some sort of whirlpool. I am uncertain if she survived that. How did your uncle's ship sink? The storm. Okay. In the vision that you saw with me by the edge of the water. Her tattoos, hmm. did they ever seem to age? I mean, it's mostly just yeah. the fact that they were good quality. Gotcha. Yeah, like, gotcha. they didn't really fade. Mm -hmm. She looked more professional. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> Haltano is, yeah, is known for it, so, yes. <laughs> it was a guy there, Glenn, really good. Mm -hmm. Really good, mm -hmm. yeah. Definitely not sticking book. <laughs> <laughs> he did a really good Medusa head. <laughs> um, Felix. Just slightly turned towards you. Do you happen to have any trinkets that might have belonged to your mother? Shake my head now. You hear a woman... He heard a woman's voice within you. Your mother said she will always be with you. Perhaps there is still a piece of her with you. Uh, Iris said the same thing. Ethier, I think I know what you're pursuing. Uh, would it work with a piece of Felix? I'm not going to cut a piece of him off or, or kill him to speak. Uh, I could try to perform my ritual that does not involve ripping his skull from his head, if that is what you are implying, but I have only ever done it with someone who has passed on, not with one that is alive, but if his mother is in fact protecting him in some way, it is possible that I could speak to her. Is that something you would like? Feathers can hear her voice. Perhaps now that you know, you could speak to her yourself. 
if that would be more comfortable. Just nod. Hmm? And I will telepathically communicate with myself. Sure can try. From my brain to my brain. His eyes roll back to his head. We'll say hello. Mm-hmm. You say hello. I mean, you... I hear, do I hear it like echo? You hear it in your it's mind. I'm going to say that the concept of telepathically connecting to your own mind is realistically not feasible. So I it just say... sounds like I'm thinking. You're just thinking. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You say hello in your mind. I'm going to tell you that you do not hear anything returned. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll say into Ether's mind. It didn't. It didn't work. I'll respond out loud. Uh, do you want me to try? I'll nod. Lay down on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to start to draw my longsword. <laughs> I'm only kidding. <laughs> It's a lot like that time that Nesgrim cried. <laughs> time up. <laughs> you said that when Felix was born, he looked relatively normal. Correct. Not green? Correct. Not fishy. When did you become a little green? amphibious? A little. a little bit of a green hue. Mostly normal. He grew okay. in. And his parents were human. Yeah. Only a little fishy. <laughs> yeah, a little fishy. Yeah, only very slightly. Now you're big fish. You're only very slightly human? No, no, no. They were very human. Oh, he, he was, was only slightly fishy. fishy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll mm-hmm. lie down on the ground. Y'all, uh... It's still on. Mm-hmm. Reach out and grab your hand. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll put my fingers over his eyes <laughs> and try. Uh, I, he's not dead, but I'll, I'll poke him in the eyes. <laughs> cool. <laughs> you lay your hand over your good friend Felix's eyes and you close your eyes and you think, let me see your dead mom. Let me see your dead mom. <laughs> Nothing happens. Okay. No flashes of Diggle? <laughs> Help! <laughs> Baby, they're on the dangle. Felix just sits up. They're on to me. Yeah. I know everything. No flashes, no nothing. Um, I could kill you temporarily. <laughs> I will. I'm not going. I to will. I'm no. I will switch my psychic focus. Uh-huh. <laughs> It's a psychic assault, mm-hmm. and I will nudge you for three damage mm-hmm. as you say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you feel this wincing in your mind. Definitely a little piercing agony. Yeah, I'll, I'll back off. Sorry, I'll Felix. Remove my hood. Mm-hmm. Many tears down my face. Mm-hmm. I simply wanted to try to help you. Just gritting my teeth, shaking mm-hmm. my head mm-hmm. at you. Felix. How, how old is Felix? 30. Perhaps if perhaps if she is still speaking, then in a way she is not actually gone. Not truly dead. I'll nod, uh, I, I guess. It seems that she was (laughs) 
from the same place as I. From the Rava Wood. The trees did look similar. Indeed. The only ones that I have seen like that in my time. Perhaps if she was of my people, perhaps now that you are aware that she is there, maybe she will speak to you more directly. You just have to wait. It, it, it sounds like she's been trying. Are you able to communicate with your Ikorum? Normally. Not since the accident. I think perhaps he is sleeping. At least that is what has been suggested to me. There is one more thing I can try. You're not going to kill him? No, no. Close your eyes and stay still. Uh, I'm going to pull out my Helm of Telepathy and put it on and cast Detect Thoughts and attempt to detect the presence of thinking creatures that I cannot see. Sure. Uh -oh. mm. That seems like a bad idea. <laughs> I'm going to tell you outright that you do not detect a thinking creature. Okay. No thinking creatures no at thinking all? creatures in here. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, no. None of them. Keyword How it creature. feels up here in this DM seat sometimes. Uh-uh. We're all still half-baked. Wembley. Fish Felix. For the sake of the podcast and for the, you know, stream, this is all, we're all speaking at normal uh, normal speed, but this is all going much slower than... Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god. god. Lie down on I can just kill you. <laughs> I will talk to you dead ma. Just a little bit. <laughs> but if we all talk that slow, it's like we're talking about <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, you just attacked the minds of the six of you, Melithel, and outside Melisee, because it does have a distance of 30-ish feet, correct? Yes, I believe so. Nope. That's it. Is Melithel still asleep? Yep. He's just snoring away, just drooling on the dirt. Just, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll take my helmet off. Mm-hmm. It did not work either, I'm sorry. You could ask Melithil, perhaps. He was able to see her and understand her. Perhaps he could translate for you. I'll, uh, I guess, I guess he would be behind me since he's on the ground, so I'll turn. Mm -hmm. I'll slap him on the face. We mm -hmm. can also Just ask him uh, why they did not want Ostador and Camilla here. I can answer that for you. Mm -hmm. Oh? It's against their nature. They didn't belong here. Mm -hmm. I am very unusual. That's true. It's certainly an unusual thing to say. For Eladrin, mm -hmm. it is uncommon against our culture to seek 
active participation in the world. But they did call themselves watchers. You tap Melithel on the chicken. Baby! Ah! <laughs> oh. oh my god! Oh, dry mouth! Good morning! <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's up, everybody? <laughs> How y'all doing? Something. Where are we? I'm gonna pass in my water <laughs> Oh, thank you. Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> Woo! That's the stuff! There you go. I hope. Mmm. Feeling better. That was fucking weird. Very strange. Y'all seen some demons and stuff. I like it. Well, yeah. Your dad's a monster. (laughs) I don't know if I would go as far as that. It's a bit insensitive. Real real icky. Uh, Bleed like that? That's not normal. He's unwell. Have you ever seen anything like that? Like your dad? Not him specifically, but or, someone. Or specifically. Yeah, or specifically, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's right over there. <laughs> which, which one? Both. Have Both? You, have you seen someone bleed? Have I seen your dad and not your dad? Have you seen someone bleed black blood? Someone? No. Some, something? Yeah. What have you seen bleed black blood? Bad trees? There are the, bad trees. The sap is black. Yeah. That is very interesting. Is it? Is that what I saw when I... Uh-huh. You've seen it as well. Yeah! Bad trees. So it can affect trees as well as people. I thought I was going crazy. And presumably animals then? Corruption of life? I don't think if you remember the blood on my sword, on my clothes from that orc. They were also black, yes. That, I will indicate to you, is primarily because of the perspective of night. Okay, <laughs> just because it was, like, old. Yes. Um, have you seen his father, though, also? That man in the bed? Yeah. No! Okay. Good. Definitely not. <laughs> that was weird. It sure was, indeed. Real old! My dad? Yeah! You seem to be of normal age to me. You're quite old, man. Like old man age? <laughs> yeah, I, not not your age, of course. I'm not old. <laughs> <laughs> I've been calling him old man this whole time. Yes, I know. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, you. Uh, you appear to be. I, no offense, sir. I but do. I'm just gonna kind of like grab a wrinkle on his face. How? <laughs> 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 not saying anything. <laughs> Please I mean, don't, don't take that the wrong way. But. I'm not as young as I used to be. <laughs> and you're older than my father was. Yeah. That's great. Grim. It's a How relative sort of thing. It's a great question. I... Well, when he died? In his late 50s, early 60s. Uh-oh. I'm older than <laughs> <him>. <laughs> 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 Probably good for you, boss. Or, sorry, mid to late 60s. Did I say, yeah, mid to late 60s. Okay. Because yes. I'm sitting here like me and my father were the same eight. Wait a minute. <laughs> Daddy? <laughs> no, your, your parents had you when they were very young. Yeah, probably like early teens. Correct. Early teens. He was like mid teens, like 17. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Pregnancy. Sli- slightly. <laughs> it's a problem in Oshawa. <laughs> uh, not in Oshawa. Mm-hmm. True, outside mm-hmm. Oshawa in the back country. Uh, <laughs> 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 Nothing else to do. 
<laughs> Sacrifice today? <laughs> 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 uh, you are from the southern part of the continent, right? Yeah. Everything is Great. southern part of the continent compared to where yeah. we are now. I guess that's fair. Uh, well, he was only slightly older than I was. Perhaps 15, 16 years older. What? I was... He, he was only slightly older than I was, so he wasn't abnormally old. No, he was old. That's why he died. No, he didn't die from old age. He didn't? No, he, he died from something that we've come to know as the rot. Oh, the trees! Yes. The... That's right! You got a tree in you! Uh, she has a tree in her? Yeah! You have a tree in you? <laughs> <laughs> I love how you accuse her! <laughs> You never told me that you got a tree in you. Tree in you. Friends, there's a conifer in our midst. I don't know what what you've been lying for. I just kill him. You gotta stop. I just kill him right now. Somebody stop this man. But it's been a real birch. Oh yes, it was worth it. And I'm looking right at you. Oh my god. Real birch. You need to leave. I can smell you like a dog we would. We welcome you into our DJ, home. I'm just arboring all of this hatred. Mm-hmm. I can mute his microphone. Mm. <laughs> He's, I still have to hear him. I can't help with that. I'm sorry, I'll stop now. Mm-hmm. You got one more in you, I know it. It's a bad tree. Did you... Where are these bad trees? The bad trees? Oh, they're up north. Up north? Yeah. And then that one. The one outside you said was bad? That one's just mean. Oh. There's a difference. Understood. Bad tree. Mean tree. Okay. Mean tree just ignores me. Bad tree tries to... With its branches. Yellow Mo, that was Uh, what I saw. Maybe the mean tree is dead? Maybe! What he's describing, these bad trees. Perhaps. Except it was not that. It was not. Perhaps you are able to somehow see the trees as they were slightly in the past. If this one is now dead, perhaps it was bad, as he said. The tree is fine, right? Yeah, the tree is totally fine. Tree is he just called it mean. Healthy. He just okay. said it didn't respond. Perhaps a deceit, like others that have borne that mark. Perhaps. Like you're nurturing something. You remember that episode title? The fourth wall. That one that I use as my name on Discord. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Your Jackbox name, yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, Blythe meaning joy. <laughs> And the forest you were from, end of joy, connections. <laughs> Shit, <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> baby, baby. Uh, is, he, is he actually turning to leave the tent? <laughs> no, he's not okay. turning to leave the tent. He does definitively say that. Sans episode title. <laughs> um, what is it that makes the trees bad? 
the earth here. Yeah, something in the the dirt. Perhaps the type of dirt. Maybe. I mean, it's not the type of dirt. There's something corrupting the the dirt that is there. The black earth. Yeah, they're sick, yeah. like your dad. Perhaps. Your dad probably was a tree too. Well, he wasn't a tree, but had a tree in him then. Might have been a tree. What do you mean had a tree in him? Why didn't you tell us your father was a tree? <laughs> <laughs> she is right, Nesker. Mm-hmm. You I need to be more forthcoming about <laughs> your past. I was also not aware that my father was a tree. I imagine it's related to the bloodberries. Bloodberries? Yes. Oh. Have you heard of them? Yeah, that's bad. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, you they, shouldn't eat those. They can be good at times. No, they're bad. All the time? I mean, they're bloodberries. Made of blood. Correct. It's not good. What if... And you know where they come from, yes? Come from? Yes. Round? Bodies. Well, that's nasty. Mm -hmm. Oh, that makes sense. That's why I find them in the bones. What bones? What bones? The bones and the marshes. Marsh bones. (laughs) 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 Well, obviously, that makes sense. (laughs) Got her. Come on, guys. You can do it out here. (laughs) Where are these marsh? These marshes? North. It wouldn't happen to be northeast of here. Northeast. That way, and I point towards the northeast. No. You point straight north. That way. Is there anything dangerous up there? Hags. That's where mm-hmm. they live in the swamps. In the what? <laughs> in the <world>. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you want to run that by me again? <laughs> Baby, we gotta go. Swamps. Not after me, swamps. <laughs> What are you doing in my swamp? <laughs> oh, swamp. Oh, no. oh, God, he did it again! <laughs> well? That's the, way, that's the way Corrin went. If we're planning we... on heading that way, perhaps we can find something to bring back to Luna. Do we want to seek out Corrin? That Big was... man? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That was the plan before bed. Okay. Bed man. Still close. Man bed. (laughs) (laughs) Just matches him and back to conversation. (laughs) I have to guess. Thanks. Hasn't made it that far. We're traveling as a party of six. He's on his own with Marybelle. We also did call it quits quite early yesterday. He can't imagine he would have been traveling late. And he probably needs help. He was stuck in the same storm we were. Perhaps if we make a quick pace, we can catch up to him. However, we don't know what else is in the trees that we may be drawing toward us as well. Hags. In the trees? I don't think the hags are in, in the, the trees. Forest. Among the trees? Among the trees. Birds? Yes, birds. Should we be worried about the birds? <laughs> no, the birds are mostly nice. Mostly. Nice birds. Mostly. Mostly. Some of them are real big. God. Like how big? Are they like do, like big birds? <laughs> I'm just gonna kind of like go like this. Large birds. No, bigger. Do they have feathers or not feathers? They got feathers. Okay. okay. Do they have fur as well? No. Owl bears they, don't fly. Are they big and nice? Size of the tent. Oh my god. Okay. Are they what? Big and nice or just big? Just big. 
They're not usually always mean, but... Would you say they're quite neutral? I mean... Mean, but not bad. Yeah. I'm sure they have... Hungry, then. Yeah! Hungry birds! Predatory. (laughs) The cold wing. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Mmm. Cold wings. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Big Um. flats. (laughs) (laughs) Felix, you wanted to ask about... I'll just nod and speak into... Oh god, what's his name? Old man's mind. Melithel. Melithel. Yara. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you hear her? Hear what? Says that out loud. Can you hear her speaking, continuing in his mind? Hear who? Or is it just me? I just hear you. You mean that lady? Mm-hmm. She was scared. That's why she was yelling. About? Felix, why would you trust that lady? Something like that. Do you remember when you heard that? When he was saying boo. Boo. Okay. (laughs) I thought you were going to say (laughs) boo-hoo. Who is Boo? I'm Greg. When we were laying down. And you said Boo. She was trying to warn you. What lady? There's only one lady in our midst. That lady. I'm still like... Over here comforting Felix. Uh I'm just gonna scooch away. (laughs) She can sense the thing in her. Says it's bad. It's true. It's bad. Bad tree. She's not wrong. Yeah. I will continue to speak into his mind. Hmm? She should know I don't. You don't what? I'll just shake my head. Okay. That's fine. Do you... You, of course, know what seeds are. Yeah! Okay. Is it possible that the bad trees come from bad seeds? Everything comes from a seed. Including the bad tree? Yeah! Have you ever seen a bad seed? No, I'll have bad seeds. I got good seeds. And good berries. And I'll just kind of giggle at that. <laughs> I got real good seed, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just, I'll just mutter childless. <laughs> Nothing fishy about that seed. <laughs> Except when he's a fish. The mark on your hands is the seed from which the bad tree grows. The... I will tell you that I have described previously that there are thin, wiry-like roots stretching up your fingertips Mm -hmm. and a long, large one now connecting down towards your wrist going over. It's fine. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. Growing some roots. Mm -hmm. Just a seed. You Uh may be right, though the... I have to wonder if 
these seeds, these trees came first and desecrated the earth, or if the earth was required for them to grow. Does the dirt make the tree, or does the tree make the dirt? Is that what you mean? I'll just scratch my head at that. <laughs> the dirt definitely nurtures the trees. If it's related to <clears throat> Camilla in any sort of way, then perhaps it is that which defiles. Perhaps that would be the tree. So if the dirt were normal beforehand and then corrupted, is that not what you did with Thelwyn? Was created the Black Earth? We did not create the Black Earth. I, I thought, for a moment. The opposite. We fought against it. We pushed it back. I have. I had reason to believe that perhaps my actions in the Avith Woods were not as well intended as I thought, but I seem to have been wrong once again. I was made to believe that for the sake of <clears throat> my journey to Oshwamp. My concern now is that if these seeds do in fact desecrate the earth that they are planted in, what does that mean for me? Who planted that seed? A man who is no longer alive? A dead man? Well, he was alive at the time. A dying man? Was he, though? Did he plant the seed? <clears throat> or did I? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Black yeah. Earth. Perhaps I've been the Black Earth all, all along. Perhaps this is what it means to be the Black Earth. Not by anything you have done, but something you are fated to be. I'll tell you, he quite literally has the white bones. You also quite literally have the black earth. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, well, we do know Widow's Whale has been called White Finds Bone. Her. We know Widow's Whale is nurtured within Black Earth. Mm-hmm. We know I'm the White Bone. And Rotoro's <laughs> Deep... <laughs> oh no! Retoris going on there, Don. What you figure out, buddy? Retoris the Black Earth and the Nurturer. Oh, make you grow up big and strong. If if it's Widow's Whale and Camilla is the Widow, then the monster is Ostador, possibly, maybe, or something like that. I don't know. Uh-oh. He's maybe. losing confidence. <laughs> something. So, there's something there. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's that. I, I thought I thought you were really feeling, I mean, feeling good there's there. There's something then... there. I just didn't think about it until right now. It's a good shake-up. There's like something it. there. Something's there with the wording, obviously, because uh, it's always right there. Go ahead, DJ. Let her fly. Let him, let him fly. Let her rip. 
Do we have Do we have a whiteboard for him? <laughs> yeah, can we like do like a Bill Nye cut? John, can I get a whiteboard, please? I have been asked not to cry. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Another. Yes, cry. Another way of describing no cry. No cry. Uh huh. No. Yeah. No. Go ahead. Another way of describing crying is wailing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Widows wail. Mm -hmm. You play the guitar. Mm -hmm. Your father was a widow. Widowed. Your father's the fucking monster. Your father's a widower. If Camilla was (laughs) the widow. (laughs) Now this is going to be a leap. Yeah. Perhaps Camilla is the widow's wail. And the roots we see are her white bones, similar to my wings. Again, I understand that is quite a stretch. Maybe it's your father's very long fingers in the earth. I think maybe um, it is time for you to eat some breakfast. Oh, I'm still real fucking high! <laughs> yes! Oh, it was shit. Diggle, wasn't it? He is always like this, actually. Oh my god! Camilla is not here. Here as in alive? She is alive, but she is... She's been around, Nesgrim. She's no longer around. She's elsewhere. What? What, what do you mean? I do think Widow's Whale and me not crying have some relation. <laughs> you take over for yourself, dude. Papa. <laughs> <laughs> um, Just add an N in there and you've got Windows Whale, dude. Mm-hmm. Think about the possibilities. <laughs> what happens when you delete System 32? <laughs> Perhaps. What's all this Widow's Whale? <laughs> The, have you seen any vines in the ground? Like wigglies? Yes. <laughs> wigglies. <laughs> yeah, Just I've like seen that. wigglies. Uh, I've seen them wigglies. With the, with the white, the white flowers, on them. Yeah, tasty. Ta- have you eat? You've eaten them. Yeah. Delicious. They are in the element. Maybe that's how you're so old. Yeah, I, I guess what? I never would have thought to eat them. Um, what? Maybe it has contributed to your exceptionally long life? Your longevity. I'm not old. I squeeze a different wrinkly flap. <laughs> you are. Hey! <laughs> what? You are very old. I mean... Not very old. Yeah. <laughs> there's no, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. being old. It's very impressive. Yeah. So, you're so close to death. <laughs> Felix. Yeah. I say that out loud to him. <laughs> he just slung me from the yeah. Yeah. Someday he... I'll die. <laughs> Do we know how long <sighs> he can live? Do you know how long you can live? Do you know how long you can live? Do you uh, eat the flowers that still? Uh, <laughs> Nowhere near that long. Go, 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 Strike while the iron's hot. <laughs> while I was crying, uh-huh. I saw a desecrated Retora in her hand. Uh-huh. Right? Mm-hmm. She had a ring on. Uh-huh. It's been suggested <laughs> that we were matched together in Adrian's circle. Mm-hmm. We've <laughs> What the fuck? Right on my head. <laughs> 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 Just 
just like looks like a random assignment of variables. Don't judge me. Sounds like the theory of relativity. I just like that. Equals don't cry square. It has been suggested that you and Ratora are bound together from the magic circle in Adrian's basement. Correct. Uh huh. Correct. Uh huh. If I, the white bone, were to die, that would Which make you did. Ratora a widow. And she would cry. Widow's wail. Wait. <laughs> oh, God, I've been crying! I've been crying this whole time! Yeah. So if... So if the flowers are good to eat, then perhaps she is still savable. It's a very good point, Nesgrim. What'd you mean about a magic circle? Well, you see, um, we had met a man named uh, Adrian. The tree? Mm-hmm. You were in a circle? That's where it was planted. Planted? Okay. Well, that's a weird circle. It was a very weird circle. I'm gonna flip open my journal. You gonna show him the circle? Yeah. That's bad. That's real bad. I'm gonna nod. You seem to know. You're drawing not the circle. <laughs> something about this? That's a bad symbol. <laughs> like a bad tree. Yeah. Have you heard of a man named Adrian by any chance? No. I didn't think so. That's a. That's a nice name or something. I don't know. How about Delowin? Have you seen? Delowin? Huh. Baby, why do I know that name? You just see the mouth just kind of like pop in through the tent opening, and she just chitters at him. Saw him in the trees. Okay. I don't know him. It sounds like you. Do. I'm just kidding. I'm still a little, you know. <laughs> first thing in the morning. I'm sorry. Where? In the swamp. Saw him in the swamp. <laughs> Stop saying swamp. <laughs> he was there getting some of the pasty flowers. The white, the white one. Yeah. In the swamp. Yeah. In the swamp. Where? Yeah. <laughs> how many times? How many different swamp. ways can we say the word swamp? The... In the swamp. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> the swamp, where the hags are at. Yeah. How many hags are there? I only seen one. Just one. Yeah. Real big. Spooky. She kind of looks like the flower. Get to this Does age. she look like me? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that. Does she look like what? Does she look like me at all? Like you? Mm-hmm. With the what? The white, white hair? White hair. Yeah. How long ago had you seen her? Baby. Couple months? Sister Desiel. Indeed. Did you like this woman? This nah. Alright, I'm just. That's. that's Not good. really talked to her. She was kind of running. Mm hmm. Running. Yeah. From? From or to? To! She was running into the swamp. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> we need a t shirt that just says. <laughs> I think we also need one that says me equals don't cry. 
that's just a good quarantine shirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, she was all green. Was she green when we saw her as in, in her true form? Like a pallid green, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. How far um, away is this swamp? Couple miles. North. I don't know, like. Fairly close then. Yeah, maybe a day. Depends on how fast you walk. If we head out soon, we may be able to go. You got there. four feet? Go a little faster. That's helpful to know. I go there as a bear. I've been that. Or a fox. Never done that before. You never been a fox? No. Usually the wife's the fox. <laughs> <laughs> because she's foxy? Oh, that's messed up. <laughs> no, no, you, shouldn't say that about, you shouldn't say that about someone else's wife. She is, though. He's right. <laughs> she's, a, she's a fox. <laughs> she's foxy because she's a fox. That's what you meant. I don't think he understands. What? Don't worry about it. Nothing. Okay. That circle's real bad, though. Yes, I agree. Sambles. Do you know what it means? The thing? Yes. In the circle? Yes. Yeah, it's bad. means eternity. Eternity? Yeah, that's why it's endless. It's a circle. The thing's eating its own tail. And mm-hmm. what is bad about this eternity, in particular? means she's a tree forever. Unless... Camilla's been stuck... Mm-hmm. Hear me out. <laughs> Get him a whiteboard. And O is a circle. Uh huh. Eternal swamp. I will also tell you that the symbol for Ostador is absolutely an O. Yeah, it is. Circle. You said it wrong. <laughs> oh, swamp. Oh, swamp. Mm-hmm. Oh, swamp. Mm-hmm. Eternal swamp. Eternal swamp. Mm-hmm. It's possible. Something there. This week on the city of O Swamp. <laughs> I wonder. Who did that circle? Adrian. Oh, the bad man? Yes. Uh, Where were you? In O Swamp, in the city. Okay. Um, well, possibly. Po- you did actually, go through a special door. That's true. Elsewhere. It might have been elsewhere. Elsewhere? It was not Oshwamp. Was there a fire anywhere near here recently? Fire? You mean Smoky Town? Yes. Yes. In the trees? There was some smoke? Oh, no. About two days ago? Two days? Baby, what are days again? (laughs) Two Two sons? Two two sons ago? (laughs) Oh, sons! I don't got no sons. Speaking (laughs) of the sun. (laughs) What? I don't suppose the sun shows up if you do the thing. I do what thing? <laughs> the star thing. I can't do no star thing. What? Are you sure? Oh my god, he has to be high to do it. I don't think so. The map? My yeah. map? That. I still oh, have the map, right? Where's my map? Yeah. <laughs> oh shit, my map! Huh. Oh, that's good. It's still all there. Thanks. <laughs> so about the fire, possibly? What about it? Was how, there one near here? How long here? ago? Maybe one days again? Oh, you said sons! Yes. Couple of sons, yeah! Oh, goodness. In a swamp? Yeah! Mm-hmm. North. Mm-hmm. North. Thought really? it was just a chimney, but a real big 
everything's north. Smell bad. So that where is the, where the circle was then. Where the circle was? What did it smell like? Smoke. Ash. Have you ever smelt a burning body before? Oh my god, no! <laughs> <laughs> Why would I? Would you like what to? What do you do? <laughs> Terrible things happen in the woods. I wasn't sure if you saw... No, I, I, I'll burn bodies. That's kind of weird. Okay. You gotta bury them. Or entomb them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <Damn it. laughs> this way, Mr. Pervert over here can look at the bones of this. That's all I got. <laughs> oh, my story thing. Yes, that's, that's right. I feel like this. Oh, don't work during the day. How does it normally work? You just. Yeah, I kind of feel around. Find the star and poke it. So it's a specific star? I think so. Uh, can I see where his wife is? Is she a mouse? Yeah, she's a mouse still right at the opening of the tent. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can I elevate her with my mind? Bring her in. Mm-hmm. You see this mouth start flow. <laughs> Baby, you've never done that! <laughs> Just gonna <laughs> set her All down. All the possibilities! <laughs> <laughs> no hands, baby! Quick, quick, quick <laughs> swing! <laughs> Question. What? When my mom died, uh huh. Died similarly to my father? Yeah. <laughs> Just wait till you die. I mean, uh, well, your mother died much more rapidly, but similar, yeah, similar appearance and everything. Yeah, absolutely. Father, it took five years for him to die. It took only a few days for your mom to die. She wasn't cared for by the sisters, I presume. Was she? Mm, I'm not gonna make that yeah, assumption. I, <laughs> I mean, Nesgrim would know. I guess that's. Nesgrim would know. Your uh, your mama came back and. What? <laughs> Fucking what, John? <laughs> so back to the levitating mouse. Uh-huh. Yep, levitating mouse. Sorry, yeah, bring her, bring her in front of me, kind of like uh-huh. set her down hmm? in front of my legs, mm-hmm. and into her mind. I'll say, a little help. She just kind of, you see a little mouse just gesture back at him, like point her little mouse finger. From you. Little mouse thumbs up. <laughs> Watch as she just concludes her wild shape. <laughs> I'm very sorry. <laughs> Sometimes it's just a joy to see lunacy at its finest. I think you all kind of get that oh, sense not. sometimes. Yes, yeah, very much so. <laughs> Absolutely. There is a, an exquisite sense of satisfaction in trying to follow the mind of Something. someone that does not follow itself. <laughs> Something so innocent. <laughs> <laughs> She did point at you while you were living. For like a good five minutes. <laughs> that one. Weirdly innocent in a way. Yes, uh, very, uh, very wholesome. Very <laughs> deserving of being cherished. Um, yes, uh, our starry form is only activatable at night. Uh, we need to be illuminated. We need to bathe in the, the night sky so this way it can adorn our form. Like a reflection. Yes, absolutely. So, yes. Uh, so it does not work with the sun? No, it does not. 
Unfortunate. Unfortunate, yes. Um, what, what were the other things you needed help with? The smoke, the fire? Yes. Yes, uh, yes uh, about two, maybe three days ago now? The last uh, couple of nights for Melithel, he's been uh, filling everything with smoke, no matter where we are, and it's been even trying on my own memory. Uh, yes, about two days. Uh, the, the hag that lives in the swamp, um, we don't really interact with her. We do our best to avoid the areas in the swamp that she occupies. Desiel? There's Sorry? one that is still there. Not yes. the one that he described. Oh, the green another. one? No, the green one would come out to visit. Oh. The yes. other... Yes. What does that one look like? Uh, tall, pale, frayed white hair. Uh, does not look... Hmm. Doesn't look healthy. <laughs> uh, yes, very frail, long, spindly arms. To match the description of... Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Of my mother? Oh. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Of your mother. <laughs> so I, that's what I was thinking. Your mother of. has long yeah. spindly arms. <laughs> oh, what the fuck? Yes, Come to mommy. <laughs> it's a hag. <laughs> it's the frost hag that's out here. The one that did the thing to Yalomla. Oh, okay. <laughs> Understood. That one. Yeah, Sorry, I wasn't looking at you guys when you said that it resembled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just looked up and everyone was nodding and I was like, oh, are they thinking the same thing I am? That's not no. likely. <laughs> Yalomla no. That's not likely. Mm-hmm. No, it's okay, though. I think I have encountered this one once. Oh. Well, Lucky you're alive. <laughs> yes, I think that uh, in, in more ways than one. Interesting. With that interaction, actually. Very interesting. Um, what Melithel was saying earlier about the uh, bad tree, the seeds, um, we know that many of the woods by our by our home, are mired in such a way, corrupted in plague. How far from here? North. North. Uh, By the entrance to the mine. So quite, quite far. North. Yes. Has have you noticed any spread? You've been here quite a long time. You might must have. Yes. Over time. Mm. Quickly? No. Slow. And do you remember when it started? Has it always been? Oh, no. Mm. Just about a thousand years ago now? Around the time that they came. The intruders? Yes. Yes around them. We saw their arrival last night. Very strange day. There was a quite an ominous sound from the rubble. Yes. Did that actually happen? Yes. No idea what it was. 
Never heard a sound like that in all my years or all the years since. Just the one. Indeed. Strange. Yes. Um, Terrifying. The same time that that fire occurred, did you hear a scream from one of the hags to the north? Scream? Was any of them missing an eye? Missing an eye? Uh, well, the pale one is always missing an eye. The one in the swamp to the north? Yes, that one is always missing one eye. Did she scream? Don't recall the scream. I recall a laugh. And we're going to end there. Friends, thank you very much for watching tonight. That's a long fucking table, DJ. Mm -hmm. oh, there mm -hmm. we go, there's the loop. <laughs> so there's the loop. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, <laughs> thank you guys very much for watching tonight. I really appreciate it. Uh, if you're new here, make sure you follow so you can find us again. We stream D&D three times a week. Uh, Iron Wolf DM and Colt Mills, thank you very much for the uh, for the follows. We really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. um, you can find out more about us on our website, notgreatrpg.com. We have links to our podcast, to all of our uh, YouTube videos, where all of these episodes go. Uh, a few days after they're live as well, some coupon codes for a bunch of different tabletop retailers that we are partnered with, uh, and a bunch of other things. Uh, episode recaps and all that stuff if you need to catch up on the other campaigns, our schedule, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, so we'll see you next on Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern time for The Lost Kings of Adorus. Good night, everybody. Bye, friends. Good Bye. Good night.